Turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I'll be reading verses 18 through 24. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. Father, bless your understanding, this reading of your infallible, inerrant word, and its exposition as well, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you missed uh, Jay's wonderful message on um, being disciplined, discipline being part of the Christian life, I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. It was so encouraging to me and I know to many others. The, pre, the, the text that he dealt with on Sunday morning and evening dealt with that subject and that suffering is for the believer a vital part of our walk with the Lord. In fact, this whole section of Hebrews was set up way up, way back in chapter 11, where we, we were given a, a, a roll call of those faithful Old Testament saints who persevered through incredible suffering. Many of them paying the ultimate price with their lives. Jay used one of my favorite illustrations from church history, the illustration of Polycarp, and uh, talked about his faithfulness as an old man who had served the Lord faithfully, wanting to live in peaceful retirement on the edge of the village, and yet uh, the Roman authorities came after him to make him swear an oath to Caesar. And, and then all the people loved old Polycarp so much, and they just, they, they begged him, just, just say he's a genius. Just say Caesar's a genius. Just give him a little bit of honor. And he refused. Such a, such a powerful witness in history. The roll call of faith is full of faithful witnesses. Again, that word for witnesses is martyr. The highest honor that a believer can have is to die 
for the sake of their testimony in Jesus Christ. We, we give medals of honor for those who act bravely in wartime. It's a fact that the great majority of medals of honor are awarded posthumously. People give their life for their country and we honor them. There's no greater honor, though, than to die not for the United States of America, which I, as a former Army chaplain, I, I indeed believe is a great honor, but the far greater honor is to live your life and to die for the kingdom of Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is what the writer or the preacher in Hebrews is trying to communicate to a people who are in danger of losing everything. Not only their, their, their Jewish families kicking them out and disowning them and having a funeral for them on their way out the door, but the Roman authorities who were at this time coming for those who profess their faith and loyalty, not to the Caesar in Rome, but to the Lord Jesus Christ on the throne of heaven. So the preacher in these texts is trying to drive home the point of what is ultimately important. What, what is the ultimate honor that you can receive? That is the commendation from the lips of the Lord Jesus when you come into his presence, when you take your last exhale on earth to come into his presence with the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. First, he, as he has done throughout this book, throughout this series of messages, he contrasts the old covenant kingdom with the new covenant kingdom. Um, if you haven't seen the Robert Godfrey series that um, the Phil Schoenberg and Lee House have been hosting here, <laughs> you should get those and listen to them. They're so insightful about the old covenant. Deuteronomy is a book about the, re the repetition of the covenant that was first given to Moses. You remember the children of Israel rebelled when he was up on the mountain. And so finally they get to the edge of the promised land. They re he, he re-words and re-institute the same uh, force of the covenant to prepare them to enter the promised land. Moses comes down from the mountain again and they receive the word. This passage references the first rejection of the covenant at Mount Sinai. It's very important to know that this is the Bible is not allegorical in the Old Testament at all. Uh, unlike the false religions of this world which make up fairy tales, the Bible is a real history book. It deals with real people real places and real times. It deals with Mount Sinai in the wilderness. It is a tangible place. If you ever want to troll a Mormon, just ask them where these places are in the Book of Mormon. If you haven't looked at the Book of Mormon, they haven't either. 
Because it, it's about fake, made up nonsense. The only things that are true in the Book of Mormon are the parts that Joseph Smith copied right out of the King James Bible. So such overt foolishness. It's fake. It's phony. The same thing with every false religion. If you go, if you know anything about Islam, you know they've got an alternative site to everything in the Bible. <coughs> um, and we could go on and on. The, the whole system of, of, of the Roman church is to, is to try to somehow imitate the Old Testament and bring it into the New Testament, which is precisely what the writer of Hebrews is warning believers against. <coughs> the Old Covenant great commentator Matthew Henry says was, was full of dark shadows. I'm convinced that so many of these terms that come into our popular language uh, come from great uh, scholars like Matthew Henry. It's full of dark shadows and dark types and, it, and the people fully didn't understand what was happening and what was going on. We live in a church world today that is full of dark, darkness because of the rejection of the whole counsel of God and its application to all of life. There has always been a demonic attack on the gospel church in the old covenant as well as the new covenant. Legalistic religion is all of the same type whether it is uh, the, the believers going back into Judaism in, uh, of the Old Testament, uh, trading uh, the grace of God in Christ for uh, an, some foolish attempt to keep some ritual that no one could keep, or whether it's uh, all the foolishness that surrounds man's religion, whether it's whether it's Islam, or whether it's Mormonism, or whether it's the Roman church, and it's legalistic substitutions for the righteousness of Christ. In this current world we live in, it's, it's, it's not even, it's, 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 it's even more pernicious than that. What you hear on everybody's lips is if you just believe in yourself, You'll succeed in life. I always, always think of my former professors, and the, the late uh, and great Dr. R.C. Sproul, who kept a running total. He, he, the way he did evangelism, the way R.C. Sproul did evangelism, he simply asked people the question: If you were to die tonight and stand before God, and He were to say to you, "Why should I let you into heaven?" What would you say? And 80%, he did a tally of 80% of church members, not, not in the world, but the church. And 80% of the people he asked would respond with, I've been pretty good. And I must say, I use some form of that myself, and I, I think that's about right.
I was in a hospital room one time with a, with a dear one in my life I loved so dearly, and he was fixing to go, had quadruple bypass. And I said, I said to him, Bill, if you were to die in the operating room, and you were to stand before God afterwards, what would you say? And he said, I've been pretty good. And right as I was about to launch into the gospel, the, the nurse came in and swept him away. And I, I've never prayed so hard in my life for someone to make it through surgery. And that man sat right over there for the last six months of his life. And at the end of it, he came to put his faith and trust fully in the Lord Jesus. The world's religion, Satan's religion, is about doing. You've got to perform rituals. You've got to eat certain foods. You've got to, you've got to do certain things a certain way. The gospel is about not doing the gospel is about done it's about what jesus has done for sinners and living a perfect life and then giving it on the cross in our place being buried and raising from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the father where he is king of kings and lord of lords the writer reminds uh, the, these first century Hebrew background uh, Christians in this text of how, how terrifying the old covenant was. Uh, it go, takes them back to Exodus 19, Exodus 20. He says, when, when they came to the mountain and it quaked, it trembled, there was lightning and thunder, and they heard the voice of God and they begged Moses don't let God speak to us. You, you, you tell us what God is, is saying. Because it was so terrifying. <clears throat> People saw the, the thunder, heard the thunder and saw the flashes of lightning. They heard the, the sound of the trumpet blasts. And the mountain quaking and smoking they were afraid and they trembled see that's what legalistic religion does it ignores the holiness and the perfection of God and his righteous wrath against sinners and it replaces it with some easy things for you to do here if you do these three things you'll be okay if you do these six things you'll be fine here's a, here's a 12 step program for you heard of this Dr. Godfrey in this wonderful lecture on Deuteronomy reminded us of, of how incomplete the old covenant was and how temporary it was how it simply pointed to a future time but how important 
the Old Covenant is as well, to show us the holiness of God. I, I use Spurgeon illustrations a lot. I just use this one the last snowy Sunday we had, but I can't I never can forget Spurgeon's testimony of conversion where he's looking for a church that's open on a snowy day. And he finds one that's a, a primitive Methodist and the and the preacher didn't even show up and the janitor got up to speak and he didn't know what to say and he simply pointed to him sitting on the back row. Young man, you're in a lot of trouble and you'll never get out unless you look to Jesus. And that's where we need to be. To understand that our trouble in this life, however difficult it may be, is nothing in comparison to the trouble that we face before a righteous and holy God. We should yearn for and hope for that fear of God that leads us always to the cross. John Wesley, I, don't, it's, I can't find this hymn anywhere, but I know, he wrote this, this wonderful hymn, lyric, I want a principle within of watchful, godly fear, a sensibility of sin, pain, feel it near. <clears throat> the next thing we see in this passage, I guess you don't have the outline. Oh, there it is. That was the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. This is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. You see that? Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the king who fulfills the Old Testament. I always tell our, our young children, if you want to be a star in Sunday school, just remember to answer every question with Jesus. <laughs> because you're almost always right about the Bible. What's the Bible about? It's about looking forward to Jesus in the Old Testament and looking back to him in the New Testament. He is the king. It is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom on earth is his kingdom. It's what we pray for every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> The New Testament shows how important the Old Testament is. Old Testament is, the New Testament is uh, the Old Testament fulfilled. Remember when you read Hebrews, and when, when we read these words from Hebrews, the, Old the New Testament hasn't even been fully given. The, the, the preacher here, or the writer here, is writing the very words of God as, as he speaks, and it would take years for it to be circulated in the, all the churches. He's taking the Old Testament and he's applying it explicitly. This is the interpretation of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was not bad, it was just incomplete. 
It was inferior because it wasn't done. One of the most striking things I heard this morning from Dr. Godfrey is that uh, they knew that. They understood it. That these things were temporary in the Old Covenant and they were going to be replaced when Messiah came. The Old Covenant reveals God's awesome holiness, His awesome perfection, His awesome righteousness, His mighty power. He shows it in how He delivers His people miraculously from Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea and their journey through the wilderness and God defeating their enemies over and over again when they were faithful and their being chastised and Discipline when they were not. The warning is don't go back to this legalistic misunderstanding, this guilt manipulation that is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is about freedom. God setting us free from the bondage and slavery of sin. And don't ever forget that truth applied to your life, believer. We haven't come to an opposing mountain. We haven't come to Mount Sinai in the desert with its, uh, its imposing uh, stones. In, in the desert with the smoke peeling off of the top of it and the lightning bolts and the fear of, of touching it that lest you be struck dead in a moment. We haven't come to that. We haven't come to a, a, a city of Jerusalem that the Apostle Paul uh, describes as a, in Galatians 4 and 5 as a city uh, that is standing now that is, that is in bondage with her children. We haven't come to... So to religious bondage, look where we've come. We've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gatherings. We've come to this joyous celebration of the fulfillment of God's plan through the person and work the finished work of salvation that is in Jesus. And my last point this morning, I guess I put goat in there. I didn't mean to put that in there. <laughs> I wrote that, I sent Caroline the notes and she graciously types what she gets. And I should have made it. I didn't look at the final product, but it's true. <laughs> Jesus is the greatest of all time. Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the prophets. We, we, we joke, joke about it in the popular culture. Said when we want somebody to get somebody's attention, we said, you need, you, we need to come to Jesus moment for you to understand that this is your only hope. And that's really true. Your only hope is Jesus. 
You need to come to that understanding. And you need to come quickly. Jesus is better than man's religion. Jesus is better than, than all of this fakery of trying to believe in yourself and do good on your own. Jesus gives you perfect righteousness if you receive and rest upon him alone. The power of the gospel is always new. We've just started a new year. It may, it, maybe it didn't start too good for you. Maybe, it, I mean, we had a snowstorm for the new year. Often happens. Maybe, maybe your life is out of sorts. Yeah, it, it is a good time of reflection. It, the name January comes from the, the, the uh, Roman god Janus. In the, he's two-faced. He looks backwards and he looks forward. When you look back, maybe things haven't been all that good. In fact, maybe they've been terrible. God made his children to look forward. He made us to look forward to heaven under the lordship of Jesus forever. He comes back to what he began, chapter 11, where he comes back to the blood of Abel at the end of this passage. He, it said Jesus' blood is better. See, Abel's blood lay on the ground. And he cried out as a witness. Jesus' blood. Not, not one drop of Jesus' blood was shed in vain. Because it saves his people from their sins. And it speaks better. Of better things. Of the greatest things. That we could ever hope for. Eternal life. In the presence of God. Let's pray. Father. Anyone here has yet to. Repent of their sins. Acknowledge their sin. And put their faith and trust. In the Lord Jesus. We, we would ask. Earnestly. That you would move their heart to do so right now. And they might not move from this place without receiving him. And the joy of forgiveness. And the joy unspeakable that comes from the hope of heaven. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.